Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. You are in for such a treat today, my friends. My guest today is Steph Solferini, who is the founder of Marco Polo Group. He hails from all over the world. I think the first time we spoke, he was in Portugal. Uh, today, when we spoke, I don't even know where he was exactly, but uh, in some other country, uh, doing the amazing work he does, helping companies grow, helping individuals grow. It's much more than just business for Steph, as you're about to hear. Um, so He's had tremendous success, and he has such a great perspective on what really matters and what steps are necessary uh, to get us to true happiness to get us to success in a grander sense than just the number of commas or zeros that are in our bank account. Uh, So I'm delighted to have just had a a very meaningful conversation with Steph that's left me with some very powerful takeaways. I'm confident you will have uh, amazing takeaways as well. And he gives us a formula at the end or a, a challenge at the end as to how we can wrap everything that he shares with us together and apply it in our lives to become our best. So without further ado, Steph Solferini, founder of the Marco Polo Group. Well, officially, Steph, welcome. And and again, so grateful for taking time. You're a world traveler. You're all over the place uh, and making an impact everywhere. So really grateful that you're taking time to be with us today. No, great to be here, Spence. I really enjoyed our conversation uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, We had kind of a planning conversation. and I just loved your... You just have this certain energy, and I think of it as kind of leaning forward just in life and business. Um, and I would love to kind of begin there in terms of what uh, what experiences you've been through and anything about you that helps us understand where you get that. You have kind of this fire in your belly that seems like it's constant. And I'd love to just hear your, you uh, share with us any any details that help us understand that better. Sure, Spence. So I'm... Uh a global adventure capitalist, right? So I've spent my whole life working around the world with amazing people who are really passionate about living a great life. So it's not just about business. It's uh, whether it's in their business life, in their personal life, in their sporting life, in how they give to their community. I've uh, always made it a very key pillar of my existence to be surrounded by people who are like me and who have a great passion for life. And uh, I've been privileged enough to do it, you know, in over 120 countries since I was born. Uh, And it's been an amazing journey. Uh, And I'm pretty uh, clear on some things now that I'm in my 50s. And that is that uh, it doesn't matter what age you are, what uh, uh, race you're from, what gender you're on, if you have a passion for life and you have a passion for getting things done and you have grit and determination, you will make something with your life. And what I try and make is uh, to help people all over the world to get there quicker and faster with less pain uh, and uh, to make it a lot of fun. Um, and um, my whole life is around joy. You know, we've, we're not here for a long time, all of us. And so we've got to make this as joyful an experience as possible. Um, because at the end, you know, I've, I've worked with many people who have achieved amazing things, material and all that. But the reality is that it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's a journey that matters. And if we all have enough 
you know, to uh, feed ourselves and provide for our families, it's enough. And, and what's much more important is uh, the journey that we lead and, and how we leave this world and if we've contributed. So uh, does that give you an overview? <laughs> it does. It's, it's really great. Uh, there's a couple things that stood out to me from what you just said. Uh, the first is we often hear this kind of adage that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time around. And that, I'm connecting that back to your comment around, uh, you, you said, surround yourself, you've, you have chosen to surround yourself with amazing people. Do you have any, I guess, elaborations on that for maybe people who aren't uh, perhaps getting the results that they want now and, and maybe any corollary to, to that principle of, of who they're choosing to spend their time with? Yeah. You know, we're all born in a random way in some part of the world in some set of circumstances some are much more adverse than others i mean i've been in villages in laos where there's about 15 people in the village and there's nothing um and then you end up you know in places like when i was in new york where people are born with all the opportunities in the world on their doorstep right and you have the choice to create something for yourself, which can be really big. And to do that, you've just got to have a huge vision and then you go to make it happen. And so it's much easier if you're in New York and you were born there and you were lucky. But, you know, I've met some amazing people in small villages in Laos who have created an amazing life for themselves all over the world by having a huge vision and, and having amazing goals and having an unbelievable grit to overcome incredible obstacles to get there and a lot of it is to be in the right pitch right with the right people um so what i urge everyone who's on this podcast to say if you're not happy with your circumstances and you feel like you know you're just a manager of your circumstances rather than the owner of your life choose to change your environment choose to change the people that you frequent um have a vision and go for it. And, you know, that may be moving to another part of the world. Um, that may be saying no to some of the people you hang out with and choosing to hang out with people who reflect the values that you want to stand for much more. But initially, it really starts with you and making a huge commitment to change and that you're not going to do what you did before and that what got you there is not going to be what it's going to take you where you want to get to, right? And so, and so make that bold change, and things will amazingly happen to you. Well, I love that, I, I, especially because I feel like at the heart of it, there's this idea of personal leadership um, that, uh, again, you, you, just the way you illustrated it, we each have to own our own uh, circumstances in the sense that we recognize we can change them, regardless of what our starting point was. I think of just the simple analogy of, of playing a board game. You know, everybody, everybody starts at zero, but everybody's zero in this case, in terms of where they're born and the circumstances they're in are, are much different, but that doesn't mean that's your end game. That doesn't dictate how far you can go is kind of what I'm, what I'm picking up from you. Yeah. And look, this is a reality. Life is not fair. You know, some of us start in positions that are way behind others. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Live your own race. Um, you know, if you're if you're starting out life in Bangladesh or something like that, like uh, many countries that I've been, you know, just to get out of there and, and have a normal job is a dream, right? 
And, uh, and you know, if they have to spend their whole life achieving that, they will have achieved more than maybe some billionaires have who, who grew up in London, right? Or in uh, San Francisco, right? Because the obstacles are so huge. So, you know, just run your own race. You know, things are not level. People cannot measure themselves equally because the starting points and the circumstances of everybody are so unique and so very different, and they're not the same. I mean, I started out, you know, as an Italian boy. I mean, English is my fourth language, right? Um, and, you know, in Italy, there is chronic unemployment. You know, anyone who is under 35, 40, you know, has never had a proper job, as you and I would categorize it. Um, but, you know, fortunately, I made some choices very early in my life that I was not going to be like everybody else. So what did I do? I forced myself to learn languages. I forced myself to work and travel overseas and off my own back. Um, I forced myself to be the best that I could be academically so I could get the scholarships to take me to the best universities so I could then get the best jobs in investment banking or strategy consulting, whatever that could give me the platforms to work all over the world, and they did. But I made that happen myself. Nobody gave me anything, you know, and all it required was a huge sense of vision and a completely unwavering commitment to get there no matter what, no matter how hard it is, how, how many times life knocks you down, just to get up again and keep going and stay focused and to enjoy the journey, even when you do get smacked, because that's part of life, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love the way you put that. Uh, well, and I want to circle back for just a minute to one other principle from kind of your your opening uh, comments, um, which is Ray Dalio, uh, Bridgewater Group. Uh, you, you two kind of seem to have somewhat of a similar background, uh, just just with uh, investment, venture capital, and growing and selling companies and all that. Um, how do you balance this uh, anything is possible, choose the ambitious path with your comment around realizing that if we have enough to feed ourselves, provide for our families, it's enough. You know, you talked earlier about the yeah. Laos village with 15 people, and then you've also interacted with and um, and been around extreme wealth, billion, multi-billionaires, and I'm sure you've been blessed with abundance on that end as well. And, and so how do you, how do you, uh, I guess, you know, not always, not spend your entire life trying to get more and um, you get to the point where you're you're satisfied, at least for a moment. I don't know. How do, do you have a thoughts yeah, sure. on that? No, I do. And I think the best way to describe it is by telling you the story of my journey and then the lessons I learned along the way over the decades. Because clearly, when you start, there's a lot of things you don't learn. So, you know, I started out, like everybody else, with nothing much in my pocket, um, but a whole lot of ambition to change the circumstances of my life. And the way I chose to do it was, you know, I was always good academically and I was always good at sport. I used to be a professional squash player. So I used, I used you know, sport and I used uh, academics to get me the best platforms because I wanted, like everybody, to be financially free, right, and, and have choice in life. And, and I sort of got brainwashed like everybody else did, as you know, you know, to – to work really hard to get the best grades and then you know you end up going I mean I was fortunate enough to get into Northwestern and I got a scholarship and I did my MBA there and in the UK 
and then you you get sort of headhunted by the best management consulting firms or the best investment banking firms and then once you enter there you know you get you get you start moving into this world where you just meet a lot of really really rich people right either the clients that you're dealing with are already multi multi-millionaires who are going from millions to billions and then a lot of the colleagues that you're working with are already very comfortable in life right and what i discovered um, as I grew up, was that many people in, in finance, private equity, and stuff, just the more they earned, the more they spent. And so it was never enough. So, you know, if they, if they earned 1 million, they spent 2. If they earned 10 million, they spent 20. And, and you know, this compulsion to want more and more and more. And it made them less and less happy, and they got more and more into this trap. And then as I got more senior, and I started being, you know, a managing director and a boss. I was then at the stage where I was helping a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners of very big businesses to exit their business, you know, to grow it, to scale it, to fund it, and to exit it, which is what I've been doing for a couple of decades now, right? And so that's the American dream. It's everybody's dream, right? They go, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, scale my business and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to have a couple hundred million bucks in my pocket and then I will be happy you know and and the reality is that once I did that for about 50 or 60 clients a very clear pattern emerged one that their happiness did not change at all once they made all that money and b many of them lost their sense of purpose which was their baby once they exited the business Uh, and three many of them got there and died within two or three years because the stress that that business building experience took out of their life cost the biggest price of all, which is their health. So a lot of them got cancer, you know, they got really, really sick. And many of them, I found, had very unhappy lives because, as you know, entrepreneurship is such an insane thing that you got to put everything into it. And so you sacrifice often your family life, your health. And so many of them were littered with divorces and um, with dysfunctional children and families because they'd been neglected. So suddenly everything didn't seem as rosy as you first assumed when you stood back and looked at the data empirically. And then, you know, you come across more normal people who were 100 times more happy because they had enough. They they managed to pay off their house or they weren't completely swarmed under with mortgage. They had enough to pay for the kids and everything, but they had time for everyone and they had time for their health. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm in a situation where I've been to way too many uh, funerals of people who have achieved the so-called American dream. And I think the price was too big. Often, I mean, there's very few that actually have got the understanding of enjoying the whole journey and keeping healthy and keeping their relationships going and having the knowledge, which is what I bring to a lot of these founders, of actually getting there and having it all without losing your soul and your life. And so when I stood back and traveling all over the world, you know, I've, I've, I've been in Africa, in the Middle East, in Asia, in the Mediterranean, you, you find that a lot of people who are happy are happy because they've got enough. And enough is not that much. If you look at the studies in the USA from Harvard and all that about this thing, 
there's an empirical number. It's only about seventy seventy five thousand dollars, right? And and then the rest is a nice to have. Sure, it gives you choice and it gives you options in life, and that's great. But you know, you should. When it comes down to it, now that I look back at it as an older, wiser person, really follow your passions and do what you love. And I think that money, wealth, happiness, contribution, and a meaningful life will only follow if you if you do that. And I've seen too many people who I worked with either when I was running a hedge fund or private equity or investment banking who would say, I will be happy when I hit to the magic number, whether that was 20 million, 40 million, 10 million, a billion, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, the, the irony is that you're always chasing an illusion. And, you know, you never get there because the, unless your mindset is correct, you always want to know more. And, and so when is enough enough? And, you know, the answer to that is enough is a lot less than you think. And the beauty of life is right in front of you. If you just look at it and you just focus on what is enough for you and don't compare yourself to others. So I've built out a five-step formula, basically. So it's kind of the Steph Solferini formula for happiness. Is it okay if I share that back sure. with you and then you can tell sure. me if I got anything wrong? So first, you number, number one, use the tools you've been given. You spoke about how you were blessed with uh, sport and academic ability. And, and of course, number two is you worked really hard too. Like we don't just say, oh, you were given this and uh, but you actually applied yourself and worked hard. So step two, work hard. Step three, meet great people. I mean, you, you chose to get outside of your uh, your organic environment, so to speak, the place you were born and, and see the world, uh, pursue opportunity. Step four, spend less than you make. And I think that's such a powerful element here. And then step five, decide to be happy now while doing what you love. So what did I miss or any, any additional thoughts around those principles? No, that's a great start, Spencer. And I think the other thing is, just to refine on those points is seek mentors early in your life. So, you know, many people are not born with the ideal parents. And so if, for those out there who have come from disadvantageous families, don't, you know, just choose models that reflect what you want to be like, right? And then in your work life, you know, choose individuals who – will teach you about what you want to learn, what you want to become and share your values. So I think mentorship as part of that thing about frequenting right people is absolutely key. I'm, I'm only here because I had amazing mentors who could channel my intensity and my hard work and my good brain and mold it into something that I wanted it to become much faster by making a lot less mistakes. So mentorship is really, really important. And secondly, I think it's grit. You know, you have to have unbelievable grit to um, reach an end goal. I don't think anything in life is easy uh, if it's something really great to achieve. And, and to enjoy the hardship, right? Don't, don't, don't make it a, hard, a painful thing. Just go, look, this is an a, a inevitable part of the process to get where I want to. I'm going to savor it more. And, and enjoy the challenging parts as much as you enjoy the the being at the top of the hill when you won whatever it is that you want to achieve, right? So I think that's really, really important, great. And then just to have amazing curiosity, you know, just always be curious, always look to innovate. I mean, I've changed careers four or five times as I've pivoted and, and as times have moved. You know, I started with Accenture and the strategy consulting business, then I... 
I moved into investment banking, then I moved into you know listed funds, private equity, hedge funds. You know, then I, I was a strategic buyer for Accenture again in, in the tech side of things, which is where all the action is again, you know. So you've got to just keep evolving, right? So your your dream doesn't stay static. Um, and then look, really make sure that you've got a really solid uh, emotional foundation. That means, you know, have a great partner, have a great community. You know, I find that in a lot of the Anglo-Saxon societies, there's a lot of loneliness, you know, which I don't see in a lot of Asian societies and Southern Mediterranean societies because the community aspect of life is so much greater and that leads to a lot of happiness. Um, and then, you know, learn from the Stoics. You know, the, the, I've studied Stoicism in depth for decades. You know, I'm an Italian, of course, and Greek and Roman philosophy was at the heart of Stoicism. And that is, you know, just be frugal and, and, and realize that the great joys of life are for free. You know, a, a wonderful cycle around your neighborhood, you know, chatting with friends, you know, uh, uh, going fishing or whatever it is. You know, it doesn't cost much, right? So, and, and, you know, just really nurture your brain and your relationships and your health. That is tremendous. And I don't, I don't think I could add anything to make that any better. That was uh, so well said. And I'm so grateful for the, the elaborations on that five-step process and or I guess the formula. So thank you for sharing that. Um, the second and kind of final piece I'm curious about, um, and then happy to, to leave you with the final word and any, any thoughts you want to impart um, at the end is just you've interacted with a lot of leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs of companies, small and large global companies and local companies. Are there any leadership attributes in those who have been the most successful? And I'll, I'll emphasize the word successful in the sense that they have met or followed the formula that, that you illustrated so nicely for us uh, more effectively than others. Like what are those core attributes in those leaders who have uh, been happier and ultimately more successful in, in, our, in our definition of success? Do you have any thoughts on that? Sure. The first thing is being open-minded and flexible. So the best founders and CEOs I work with are the humblest ones. It's funny. The ones that have achieved the most are always the ones that say, you can teach me more. I'm willing to learn. I don't know this. How can I do this better? The ones that I find that are less capable often say, I don't need this help. I can do this. I've done this before. I don't have the blind spots. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 30 years. No one can do this better than me. And I think acknowledging that we all have blind spots, that no one on their own can fix an issue or a problem optimally, given the multiple variables that are out there that are influencing on a decision, and that to have a multifaceted perspective on an issue and to synthesize the lenses through which everyone looks at a problem in order to mitigate risk by assessing all the different scenarios is the intelligent person's approach to life and growth and business success. So having open-mindedness, being coachable, and being extremely flexible mentally is 
incredibly important. I think that's been a huge driver of success. Secondly, not being arrogant. So being very humble. The best leaders I've worked with are incredibly humble. Uh, they are always curious. They don't have tickets on themselves. And they're actually very focused on solving a problem for society and serving and are not focused about the money. The money, if it comes, is a byproduct of the offering and the service and the customer experience. And I think that is absolutely key as well. Uh, thirdly, they tend to be extremely good at empathizing with people. So it's particularly for founders who have built their own business from scratch, which now I deal with a lot. I used to deal more and more with, with huge corporates and CEOs and all that, but the reality is they've never been business owners where they put their own money and their own house on the line. You know, they always work for a big paycheck, and that's just a whole different universe. I, you know, there's a lot of um, hypocrisy that, that's in that world because you talk one game, but reality is you, you live another, which is, you know, an employee mindset. The owner, founder, who puts his or her house on the line, is always worried about payroll and everything, has really got to be a visionary, A, to get people to join this crazy startup at the start, and B, to stick it out with all the uncertainties that come with it. And so I find that these people are amazingly good with other humans, and they're very good at listening to their emotions when things are tough because it's very difficult in a small private business as opposed to big corporate land. And um, being able to nurture your business, which is like a little boat where you've got people in the boat who've all got different roles and you're all in it together uh, is incredibly important. So I think that's a huge driver of success. And I think they're people who are fundamentally givers, not takers. So I find that the, the very selfish, self-obsessed entrepreneurs and business owners, they succeed somewhat, but in the end, the karma gets to them. And they either end up very alone in their private life or when things happen badly, which often happens in business, they get the comeuppance because there's so much resentment towards them, which has been deserved that they get no help and they go under. Uh, but I find that good people with a good heart who um, have always been sensitive and caring uh, get results and get help. So to give you uh, an example, one of my clients is outstanding in this, and he's got a building materials company. And he's, he, you know, he, during COVID, of course, he had lots of difficulties before, you know, this building boom because he had lots of stock and things like that. And he had customers not paying and he suddenly had very big cash flow problems. So he went to his suppliers and because he'd been so good to them over the year, was able to negotiate great terms to pay them later. He was so good with his clients for so many years that he was able to negotiate getting paid in advance, even though uh, things were tough just by being very honest and telling them exactly what was going on and saying, look, I really, need help from you this time around, right? We've got an exceptional situation and I could really do with you paying me two, three months up front. And that sort of saved this bacon. Um, and that would not have been possible had he not been 
a good person for 10 years where he gave and gave goodwill. And he had no hesitation getting help from both suppliers and clients in order to get through this cash flow issue. Does that clarify it? It very much does. And it, it's, a, again, another series of amazing uh, wisdom and advice uh, tips. And I'm just so grateful for that. It, this, this has been a tremendous gift, Steph. You're just uh, so thankful to have learned from your global perspective and have, having you had touched on a couple of powerful, uh, I don't know, axioms and formulas and, and uh, things that we can all take. Normally here at the end, I ask for uh, one action item that you suggest our listeners take uh, to improve it. You've already given several throughout. Um, so I'll give you that option if you want to, but you've already blessed us with so much. You certainly don't have to suggest anything new because because of all that you've imparted. But any any final words or thoughts around kind of the action side of what listeners can do? Yeah. So whatever you want to achieve in your life, whether it's in your business life, your personal life, your health, your contribution to community, always start with the end point in mind and then work back. So whatever it is you want to have, is it your health? Let's talk about health. Um, you Let's say you want to get um, 50% healthier. You want to drop your weight by 20% in terms of fat. You want to increase your muscle by 30%. You want to you know, get your lipids down and everything else. So you, you go, right, okay, I want to reach that goal in three years when I want to be top 1% from my age group, wherever it is. And then you work back and you go, right, what do I need to do in one year, two years, three years to achieve that goal? And then go back from the one year and work back in your quarters and go, right, okay, if I want to lose, let's just say 60 pounds in three years, that means I've got to lose 20 in, in one year, right? And that means, right, I'm going to cut it into quarters. And then what are the habits I need to put in place now, this quarter, this month, this week? What are the key activities I have to take, the leading activities that I have to take in order to consistently apply them and get to the end goal? And so, you know, that would be, okay, if, I've, if I want to lose that amount of weight, I may need to only consume 1,500 calories a day when I'm typically consuming 3,000. Well, what does that mean? Okay, I can't have those sodas anymore. I can't eat all of that processed food, which, as you know, in the States is all around us. Uh, I need to have fresh vegetables. You need to drink just water and then I need to exercise and then I need to do a flexibility regime and all those kind of things, right? And then you start slow. You don't try and do it, you know, all of a night. You start slow. You do it step by step so every goal is achievable and then it compounds and then you track everything. Track your activities, track your consumption to keep you motivated. And trust me, if you do this, on any aspect of your life, whether it's your business life, your relationships, your health, contribution to community, your hobbies, you will live a very full and happy and fulfilling life. So if you apply those um, axioms that Spence discussed and you use this implementation methodology that I've just given you, guarantee it works. I've used it with hundreds of CEOs to achieve amazing things with their life, to stay on course. It's worked for me, and I really hope that you implement it so that you can lead not just a good business life, but a whole life in general, where you optimize your 
happiness, which is all about health and family and curiosity and living your passion and achieving financial wealth. Incredible, Steph. Uh, transformational, to be sure, if, if, if each of us choose to apply it. And again, I've been blessed by you today. I'm sure listeners have. And thank you once again. Just, just so grateful for uh, all that you've imparted to us today. Anytime, Spencer. I'm glad to be part of your podcast and I wish you well, my friend. Wasn't that amazing? Boy, I'm just so grateful for Steph sharing his time with us uh, among his world travels and I uh, just love his uh, his perspective. I I could really I could rant for too many minutes uh, that would go beyond what you have to spend listening to me, and so I'll uh, I'll resist that temptation uh, to go off on some of the things that uh, well all of the things at least that stood out to me. Uh, I will mention kind of the core thing that that uh, I distilled down from everything I just learned from Steph is really this principle that good people with good hearts get help and succeed. People with pride in their hearts and, and hard hearts, so to speak, uh, and big heads fail to achieve true happiness. They may achieve financial success and financial wealth. But I was really struck, especially with the, the, the truth that uh, Steph shared, that too many, uh, he, he mentioned it, attending more and more funerals lately, and too many of those funerals are for people who achieved success but did not enjoy happiness, true happiness for an extended period so I just I loved the the couple of uh, kind of formulas or steps that uh, we walked through, um, along with and especially the end action challenge of the starting with the end point. I have thought when when Steph was talking about that, I thought a lot of uh, Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. But what I love more about what uh, Steph shared is that he took it further than that in the sense that he helped us think through that process of reverse engineering. That's the term that we used when I was in the, the military. We reverse engineer something, meaning we go back to, or we, we really look at where we'd like to be, uh, the success of the mission, so to speak. Again, that's kind of military speak, but that however we're defining success, and then we break it down into micro pieces, micro steps. What are the key activities, the leading activities? These, these are all things that Steph just talked about that I need to take to get there down to the point where I know for the next hour, here's what I need to do for the next day, week, month, uh, you know, and, and of course, expanding out to the goal date, uh, the deadline, so to speak, um, that I need to do in order to get there. And as he puts it in his own life and in the lives of those that have chosen to implement it, it works, it works, it works, it works. I just love the the truth behind that. Uh, also the importance of tracking everything that he spoke about. So um, I would love your feedback on this interview, what your takeaways were how you're going to be different and better for it. I know I'm, I'm just today, I'm going to live my life a little bit better, a little different, a little more focused because of what Steph shared. I'm going to remember that there is such a thing as having enough. Uh, if, if I spend less than I make, if I love and cherish the people around me, especially my family and my neighbors, then I can be happy. I can be happy now. It doesn't have to be some future destination point. So grateful for Steph Silverini, founder of Marco Polo Group. I'm grateful for you as well. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit LumenLeader.com. We'll see you next time.